Hey, everybody. I'm Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, I am joined by one of my favorite people in veterinary medicine. He is a beacon of light and positivity. He is an Uncharted member. He is a colleague, and he is truly a dear, dear personal friend. Dr. Phil Richmond joins me as my co-host, and we are having a conversation about burnout. But before you turn the podcast off, because you're like, not another burnout conversation, Phil is one of the most positive people that I know, which says a lot because I feel like I'm pretty positive and bubbly. Uh, But Phil is truly a beacon of light. And we have a mailbag question that started with addressing burnout in um, teams, especially in on-call settings. And as it does, our conversation kind of meandered. And we wound up talking about our own experiences uh, with exhaustion and some burnout in veterinary medicine and giving some candid stories, but also really some leadership lessons that we wish that we had learned before we became uh, leaders. So I had a lot of fun recording this episode. I hope you all enjoy it. And now let's get into it. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we're back. It is me, myself, and I. I am here uh, today, but I am Sans Andy, but I am instead joined by one of my most favorite human beings on planet Earth, uh, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Phil Richmond. Um, Hi, Phil. Hi, Stephanie. And like, as I like to call myself, the Wish app, Andy Rourke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> so many ways I could respond to that. <laughs> like, it doesn't it doesn't really look like or sound like him. No, it, it okay. doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. It's this episode is not gonna uh, look or sound uh, like like a typical uncharted podcast episode in the slightest. Um, yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be lots of laughing, probably lots of uh, squirreling, but. Uh, we are together today because um, we got a mailbag uh, topic and um, we're not actually going to answer the direct question that was asked in the mailbag, as as I do, uh, with you because when I read it, I was like, ooh, I want to have a conversation with Bill about this uh, because it involves some bigger themes that relate to you, what you do in veterinary medicine, mm-hmm. and I just thought it would be a good chance for you and I to have some good conversation. And since uh, Andy is on vacation when we're filming this, uh, while uh, the cat is away, the mice will play. So let's, let's me and you have some fun. Um, so <laughs> for for our listeners who don't uh, know you, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Uh, if you have not had the opportunity to interact with uh, or talk to or hear, Dr. Phil Richmond uh, presents, you are missing out because you are a, an amazing human being and you have a lot of uh, wonderful things that you're sharing with our profession. And um, we're going to kind of get into, by way of the mailbag, I guess, get into some of what, what you're doing. So um, the mailbag topic I got was about uh, a hospital who is a specialty practice their Mm -hmm. specialty surgery practice and by the nature of their work they have after hours on call um rotations for their team so um they're taking care of their patients post-operatively so they have on-call hours uh overnights and weekends and so 
it is one of those things that is inescapable in some facets of veterinary medicine. On-call has to happen for them to support patients postoperatively. And I totally get that. And the manager who wrote in was like, you know, this takes an incredible toll on the team because being on call is hard. And um, they were looking for some uh, some tips and tricks uh, that we'll get into in another episode in terms of like, how do we how do we structure that and support it um, from like a systems perspective? But um, what interested me in talking with you was the burnout aspect. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because we have we have big pieces of veterinary medicine in specialty practices and ER practices um, and even, uh, you know, GP practices that particularly the ones that are more rural um, and don't have overnight. There's lots of there's lots of people in veterinary medicine who can't avoid being on call. And and this manager's point was that burnout is a real thing and it impacts the team and um and so when I was thinking about it, I was like, who better to talk about this with than than my friend, Phil? Um, so tell us a little bit, Phil, about um, who you are and why you and I would want to talk about this, because it's right um, up your alley in terms of the work that you're doing in veterinary medicine. Yeah, thanks, Steph. And it's always uh, just always a pleasure for us to get together and talk and we just have so many so many things in common and i just love love being able to share space with you and love your face friends thank you and it's you know and it is it's one you know so i jokingly say you know those of us that are kind of working in this field none of us like i wasn't in vet school fourth year going you know what i'm i cannot wait to work on well-being and burnout in the profession like and it's and i say that like this is somewhat tongue in cheek, but where it is, is that most of us have lived experience or personal, personal story, why it's sure. so important for us. And so, you know, briefly, um, you know, I was, I, you know, I was a new grad, uh, it's about two, 2008, dating myself a little bit. Um, but <laughs> I was working, I mean, this is, this is right up this alley, you know, I was working 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. Now, that was self-imposed, I also want to say, is that I was working on my sure. days off at a clinic that I grew up working at, and then I was picking up emergency shifts, um, you know, on the weekends. I would come in on my days off to, you know, to do surgeries that I hadn't done before, which I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't do that, um, you know, because there is some benefit to doing those things. However, even the owner of the practice was like, hey, like, you're, you need to kind of throttle it that's down. That's a lot. Yeah, that's right. a lot. Um, <laughs> But, you know, some of that stuff was not, you know, it was it was self-imposed for me, you know. And so what I found was, is that I I got to this point where I had, you know, the the hallmark signs of burnout are exhaustion, cynicism and inefficacy. Like it's just taking us longer to do things. We just can't get through stuff, that type of thing. And I only had one tool in the toolbox and you and I have shared, shared our stories, but I just had, you know, alcohol and substances, like that was it. And so add that to all the stresses of veterinary medicine and all this, and then getting into burnout. And, um, I, I really was in a dark place. I, you know, and and I'm going to mention suicidal ideation, but that was where, you know, where I got. So what I realized was is I, I ended up going to treatment. I got a lot of tools, individual tools that were very helpful for me and they helped save my life and helped me love veterinary medicine again. What I realized though, is that when I went back into practice is that it wasn't the whole story. 
is that I played a big part in, you know, in some of that, like I misinterpreted things and how I, how I, how I viewed situations, you know, that, that was stressful for me and burned a lot of emotional energy. But even when I do that, there can be external factors, which is really what burnout is, is burnout is really a systems issue. It's not a personal failure. Um, Right. And when I learned that both of those things were true, it's just, you know, it was one of the things that, you know, pushed me to want to want to help our colleagues. And because it's so common for for all of us, and especially now with COVID and and that type of thing. So not yeah. only leaning into the individual nature, the things that we can do with resilience training, with gratitude, with intentional uh, induction of positive emotion and these types of things, as well as, you know, seeking mental health uh, support from from professionals. But then also the importance of team level, you know, well-being, team level, psychological safety, where our leaders and how we work as a team is vital. And then the third thing is organizationally, or, you know, the when we talk about the me, we, us, um, and I, I just love that model. So me being the individual, uh, we being team and leadership, and then us being the organization. Right. And then organizationally, looking as, you know, as the organization, do we have policies in place? Are we measuring burnout? You know, are we measuring the well-being? You know, I mean, we're all, we're all clinicians, like, you know, listening to this, we all know, hey, if something's going on with our patients, like we run tests. Well, how often are we, are we doing that in veterinary medicine? How often are we taking the pulse, excuse me, of our team to find out what's going on? So those things are important. And then, okay, now we get this information, what do we do with it? And so yeah. those things are just what I found is that I want, like, I have a vision, like a lot of us in veterinary medicine, like I want it to be here for years to come. And it's a beautiful profession. It really, like, there's a lot of joy and a lot of, a lot of reward that can come from this profession. And we just need to, there's some things that need to be in place to make that happen. So the sky's not falling, but there's things that we need to address that are challenging. And then we also need to, need to lift up the the positive aspects of the profession. So in a nutshell, that's that's what I do. It's working on psychological health and safety and uh, t- you know team cohesion and individual skills of resiliency and and that type of thing and how important that is to patient care, how important that is to to longevity and sustainability as a veterinary professional. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's things that we don't generally get taught. I mean, we're we're much better now, I should say. Um, but, you know, just not taught in, in vet school or tech school or, you know, um, I think it's more now in the CVPM, you know, that's that's part of part of that is, you know, some of the leadership development and and well-being of the teams. Like, so I'm glad there's much more awareness. But, yeah. Um, OK, so as as you do, you <laughs> I love you so much. Uh, so, so much I'm back there because you just. <laughs> You just crammed, uh, you know, 10 pounds in a five pound bag there, friends. Uh, okay. So, um, let's, let's go back to a little bit about, so what you're doing now, what your Mm -hmm. work has to do with falling in love with the, um, profession again Mm -hmm. and wanting to help yourself and help your peers, um, which, which led you to where, where you are. Let's go back for a second. Um, because this topic resonated with you because you, you found yourself in a place of, of, um, burnout and, uh, and you and I, um, have, uh, similar steps along our path where we kind of, uh, found ourselves in dark places and, Mm -hmm. uh, feeling, 
really overwhelmed and exhausted and and you and i both um being members of uh long-term uh long-term members of the recovery community mm-hmm. i think both uh found ourselves looking inward right yeah. as you do when you yeah. uh <laughs> when you're when you're in recovery you do a lot of work on yourself um hopefully uh but also looking outside of ourselves and recognizing that we can only do so much on a personal level and i i love um you're actually going to be talking about this topic at uh the uncharted culture conference shameless plug here Um, (laughs) because uh you were going to be doing a session specifically on the your you mentioned the idea of uh we me and us right like Mm -hmm. how do we as individuals exist um in veterinary medicine there is responsibility and work that we can do on an individual level and it's not it doesn't exist in a vacuum right the Mm burn the burnout onus can't only be on the individual because as you mentioned there's external factors that impact um from a team level and team dynamics and the safety that the team has in being able to talk to each other ask for help support each other all of that and then there's the systems piece of it in the organizational structure and so i'm super pumped um you are actually going to be doing a session for everybody who is uh attending the culture conference in October. And I'm super excited about that. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're already like, I want to hear more about what Phil has to say, you should, uh, head over to the website and sign up for that because it's virtual. So anybody can, uh, come, you don't have to be an uncharted member. Um, and you're going to be doing a a general session. And so I don't want to spoiler too much of, of the details of what you're going to talk about there, but I do want to dig a little bit about, um, kind of your where where you started and empathizing with that um on a on the personal you know me level um and then talk a little bit about the about the organizational stuff so when you found yourself out of out of school and getting into practice and you found yourself kind of at the place where you recognized that you were that you were burned out um was that was that a place where you could see what you were doing to your like could you so you said that that you were doing it to yourself right you were you were working extra hours and you were taking on more and more and more in that space though was that something that you recognized in yourself or was that something that others pointed out to you because like you said your practice owner even said to you like hey you need to throttle this down like what did that look like for you no it so i had you know i had a an incorrect assumption on what what I was supposed to do and what I was supposed to be capable of, you know, my my first years out. And, you know, I thought I, you know, I just had this this idea that I was going to go in that, you know, I came out of vet school, I should have all the answers. Um, you know, if something if something went wrong, um, you know, it, it was it was it was this weird thing is, you know, for me, one of my thinking traps was is that if something went wrong, I would I would blame everything else. But I also would then question like, you know, am I, how responsible am I? But it was almost like a defense mechanism. And so a lot of us in recovery, you know, have that. But where I'm going with this is that the biggest thing was, is that I had, now I can see the signs, you know, of burnout in myself. And those signs were so clear back then, but I just, I, I looked at them as we, they were failure. And I would like, instead of saying, sure. hey, I need a break, it was like, 
that that horrible negative self-talk was you're just weak you need to like you should be able to do this you can't like, get why? it all done yeah. you can't why, yeah. yeah the yeah. reason why is you're just not working hard enough you need to be up later just work you harder need to, yeah just just work yeah. harder right and and as we know i mean there's just the, you know it's like the the battery analogy in the phone it's just you're just not magically going to put put all that in there the you know the spoons spoons theory um you know is that you know we've got a certain certain number of spoons we can use you know during the day and it's like when they're gone they're gone and that that whole concept was just i i didn't have that you know and i i didn't know I, I just thought it was the the answer to everything was work harder. And so going back, you said the three of the classic hallmarks of burnout um, are the the inability to like focus and stay focused. Tell me what the the three that you said again. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So and there there are different uh, you know different definitions um, certainly, but this this is what the World Health Organization describes it as. So there's exhaustion. So that's yeah. really that, you know, a feeling I think we can obviously all relate to, you know, just that physical, mental, emotional drain that we yeah. feel. And, yeah. you know, what happens is when we um, when we go through that just chronically, we begin to isolate, um, you know, and as we know in recovery, like isolation is that that's the that, that that's when we start spiraling, you know, is that when I disconnect from from people that that's a challenge. So exhaustion is one. The second is cynicism and ooh, do I, yeah, you know, leaning in the negative or so, and to give you an idea what this looks like on the ground in a veterinary hospital, our clinic, uh, the, I should say the practice that I love, I'm going, getting to go back to the great, great group of practices. We worked really hard on psychological safety, on all of these, these things and teamwork. And we just, generally speaking, I mean, we just didn't talk stuff about clients or one another. Like it just, we, but we work, I mean, we're very intentional about that over the years. And it was, it was a red flag for me is that I noticed when our team started, and this was during COVID, when they started talking stuff about clients, it wasn't normal for us. It was out of the norm. Sure. And I, you know, for myself, I can feel, you know, cause I've been, you know, been in some burnout, um, you know, lately. And I just, become, you know, I start, I, the negativity bias kicks in. And instead of looking at the positive, I start, I start going into the negativity bias. And so that cynicism of the, everything is bad, everything is this. And then what happens is, is that, 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 that creates a spiral, you know, as well. And then the last thing is the, the inefficacy. Oh, so go ahead. Yeah. I think the cynicism. No, no, no. I I was just, you're, you're getting, you're getting there. Like, it's funny because listening to you describe those things and you were saying like, what is it, what does it look like in veterinary medicine? Like I can totally recognize, you know, that, that exhaustion. And we talk about it, you know, jokingly in a lot of the, you know, manager groups that I'm in. But when you think about painting that picture and you think about how many, you know, like everybody wakes up and is like, I don't, you know, everybody has bad days, right? Yeah. Everybody, everybody has stuff going on in their lives. And there are absolutely times where you wake up and you're just like, I don't want to go to work today. You know, you just feel, you feel tired. You wake up and you're just like, I can't, I just, I'm dragging. I mean, that that was, I mean, I, w- I knew I was getting up and getting to talk to you today. And I still was like, I'm so tired. I just want to go back to bed, right? Like everybody has those days. And when you were talking and thinking about it from the burnout perspective and then leading to the, the place of cynicism 
like I think about when I was really struggling in the practice, um, it's that every day you wake up and you're like, I just am so freaking exhausted. I don't want to get up. I don't like I can't. I got, you know, I'm getting up and I'm pounding multiple energy drinks in a morning. And then I'm, I walk in the door of the clinic and that cynicism immediately kicks in. And it's that, that like when I'm going in the door with that frame of mind of like, what such hell is awaiting me, you know, or everything is just like, can't you guys just leave me at least? You know, somebody asked me, Hey, when you're, you know, when you're ready and, and you're settled in, can we talk about something for a second? And I'm like, for the love of God, why can't you just leave me alone? Yeah. You know, like I found myself in that place where it was like, everything was reactive. Yeah. Everything was, was negative. And so hearing you talk about that immediately, I yeah. can, I can empathize with that because yeah. it's, and I can see it in myself. Yeah. And so what's interesting about this, this, you know, these concepts is that there is, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a blurry line. Like it's not all work. It's not all overload necessarily. And that's where the recovery stuff came in is that I found that I, I learned ways to challenge my negativity bias. Like, is it, you know, like, oh, this person did that. And it's like, really did that? Like, or are you just, you know, am I filling in the blanks with stuff? And that was, that was something that I learned over time. What was, what was interesting to me is almost like a, like a, an experiment is like, here I have the tools and I still can't overcome it. Like I'm going and that's what's been not, not just personally, but you know, that that's, what's fascinating. If, if I can even say that about burnout, you know, is that again, it's, it's, it's technically, it's an external, you know, issue and man, that's cynicism. I mean, that's, you know, we talk our, you know, we have our great friend, Josh Weisman, amazing human being. And I just, I shared that with him, you know, a few weeks ago. I was like, I can just tell, cause it's not my norm to, to be looking at the bad side of things or, oh, this is crap or this is that. It's like, damn, like it's, you know, what's, what's going on with me? You know, is that right. it's, yeah. it's a yeah, sign, yeah. you know, it's a clinical, almost like a clinical sign, like anything it's a else. Sign. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's also sometimes it's, uh, well, you, is sometimes when you're inside the pickle jar, it's hard to read the label. And so, uh, you know, if you have people that can, you know, when you're in it, sometimes you don't know that you're in it. You're just, but I yeah. had, you know, had friends, you know, and then my wife is very kind of, you know, to, uh, to let me know, Hey, you know, this is. You, you've mentioned this. You're thing, not yourself. That you're, yeah, that you're yeah. bitching about for the, you know, fifth time. Like maybe you need to go. Nineteenth time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, friends. You have heard Andy and I talking about some of the big things that are coming in the back half of 2023 for Uncharted, but we are not done. In fact, we are not even close to done with releasing all of the new fun and exciting stuff that our team has been working on. So I want to make sure you don't miss out on it. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you're going to hear about it. But if you want to guarantee that you are the first to hear about the big giant announcement that we have coming soon. So, so, so soon, but not soon enough. You want to head over to the website, unchartedvet.com forward slash insight. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T, unchartedvet.com forward slash insight and sign up for the newsletter. That will get you on the list and guarantee that you have first dibs access to the big, big news that is coming soon. Don't miss it. I promise you're not going to want to miss out. And now back to the podcast.
Okay, so so the exhaust, so the exhaustion and the cynicism, and then I I was empathizing and cut you off with the last one, yeah. Which ooh, here comes here comes the here comes the shame spiral, <laughs> like Brene Brown in efficacy. Yeah, is that the harder we try to push, the less efficient we can be, which is why, yeah. which is ironically, which is why I why why we will you know burn out, um, you know, is that. When we do that, the the cure for it is rest and changing the system. But what do we do? We do the <laughs> we do or the we opposite. just try and work harder. We do the opposite, yeah. and it's and it's just and that's that's what all the evidence you know shows us is that that we can't can't do those things, and that you know we won't you know maybe we can go one hundred and ten percent on the reactor for you know a few weeks maybe, but we can't it can't be a chronic state. Our bodies can't you know then physiologically like the the release excuse me, the chronic release of the stress hormones and all of these things, like our bodies are not meant to function at that level. We, we can only do it for so long before, you know, bodies just kind of like, hey, I'm out, you know, like, and then we, then we start to see physical, you know, physical manifestations and we get into that. That feeds right back into the loop, right? Um, then you're exhausted yep. and oh, yeah. it, feeds right. the, it feeds the, right. feeds the exhaustion yeah. model because yeah. you're, you're physically feeling the toll of that. And then it, it spirals and you feel like you can't, can't get and then out you're of not, it. And then you're not doing, you can't do as much work as you did, even though you're trying. And then what, and then what you're happened, inefficient and then, then I'm uh -huh. inefficient. And then, Oh, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, my, as I said, in, in the uncharted conference, my, uh, my inner critic's name is Carl, you know, and then Carl, Carl's <laughs> up here going, Oh, Phil, you are a POS. Like <laughs> you really, you shouldn't even be doing this job. Like, you can't do this. You can't do this. You're not getting this done. You are, man, you are worthless, you know, and all that negative, that. negative self-talk. So, and we'll uh -huh. get into a little bit of like what some of the ways that we can combat that, um, you know, I think in, you know, uh, as we go in the future and, you know, just really, you know, I have to do a shout out to Dr. Michelle McQuaid and Dr. Danielle Jacobs from the Wellbeing Lab in Australia, because they've done a lot of the work on this that I really lean into. And so that's, Anyway, I just wanted to say like, yeah, there. so, okay. So let's talk about that. So yeah. you, you, um, like career wise and path wise, yeah. like you got out of vet school and right. you were a new grad and you almost crashed and burned, right? Because you were, well, you, step, yeah, I mean, I would say I did, you know, by, but I mean, I was out of practice. So, you know, yeah. is that I, I reached, I reached the bottom, I guess we, right. you know, we can say. Um, you know, to where I was, I was pulled out of practice. Um, I was in treat, I was in a treatment facility for 90 days, which by the way, <laughs> is way more common than, than we think. We just don't hear about it. Um, yeah. but that saved my, it saved my life. You know, not only yeah. did it give me the rest because of that, remember we were talking about the physiologic stuff, chronic stuff, then, you know, and then, and then filling my cup back with tools that I, that I then had to go back into that environment. Um, you know, that I didn't have before. So, yeah. And so that kind of kicked off um, the the passion for mm -hmm. you, because when I when you meet Phil, like one of the words that immediately comes to mind, if you have uh, had the pleasure of spending time in your company, Phil is passionate. And I think yeah. that you are passionate about just life in general, which is one of the things that I, <laughs> I love about you. You just have great energy and being around you is is wonderful but you're so passionate about looking at 
veterinary medicine and it would have been very easy for you to come out of to come out of treatment and and stepping back into practice it would have been very easy for you to look at it in a very cynical way because mm-hmm. there is a lot that is challenging yeah and so many people will say veterinary medicine is broken mm-hmm. and we're you know we're a hot mess and there are a lot of people that look at it from a negative perspective and feel like it's so systemically we have so many problems it's like not not fixable mm. and you chose to look at it from the perspective uh, that resonates with me which is there is so much that is wonderful about veterinary medicine mm-hmm. and we we need some help yeah. and so you i feel like that kind of kick-started getting those tools and starting to fill your mm-hmm. toolbox kick-started for you very much the same way my own um experiences and my own uh you know experience I mean, I was in recovery before veterinary medicine, but mm-hmm. very much we have similar paths in that way of like, it became a passion project yeah. for you. And so yeah. you started doing education and work around well-being and burnout, which kind of led you down a path of positive psychology yeah. and yeah. what the well-being work that you're doing now mm-hmm. uh, with Dr. McQuaid and the, the team in Australia. So tell us a little yeah. bit about kind of where your winding path took you next. Yeah. So, you know, quickly, so there was a 10 year kind of area where I was just, I was in practice. I was going, going to meetings. Um, I was trying to help medical professionals in recovery, but I was really quiet about it because of the stigma. And then just the, you know, as we know, like the anonymous nature of, of 12 step recovery. And then there was just a point where I got to where I had the opportunity to be of service, uh, you know, for the FDMA. And where I'm going with this is that it was like, now I knew, I knew these things worked. Like I knew these concepts and these principles and these things worked, but how was I going to go into talking to veterinary professionals and say, Hey, you know, I just, I, I went, I'm in AA and this works. And it's like, and then, so what (laughs) happened was, is that I got put in a, a position of, and th- this is where Carl comes in, by the way, Carl, the, you know, it was like, hey, you're just some you're just some drunk that learned some stuff and it just makes your life. But what you qualifies know, you what to qualifies talk? you yeah. to? T- and, and then I was like, shit, shoot. Sorry. Um, I was like, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe I should go do so. So I look, you know, I looked into potentially getting a master's, but then I, you know, I just so now I'm a certification, you know, nut. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, try <laughs> anyhow. But yes, I do. I know. I, do. I know. So yeah, <laughs> trying trying to change trying to, our language, because but... it because it does matter. It does matter, by the way, everybody that's listening. It does matter. However, it does matter. So I I took the first the first certification I took was a was but I ended up taking the compassion fatigue professional certification. At the uh-huh. end of that, it talks about the cure for compassion fatigue or the the treatment for compassion fatigue, is skills of resiliency. I look at these and I say, Steph if we knew each other back then. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly the same stuff that I learned in 12-step recovery. It's just, there's, you know, I jokingly said there's $20 words, you know, associated with it. And then I'm like, that's it, you know, and truths are truths. So I just got down, I was like, this is it, you know, this is it. So I got into yeah. positive psychology and cognitive behavioral coaching and, all, you know, all these things that basically take the same, they 
take very similar principles and put that together. Um, but then I remembered also is that, you know, there, there is an importance to the self portion of this or the me portion of this, but it is multifactorial, you know, is that yeah. we do need our leaders have an outsized influence on that and how we work as a team is vitally important and is the organization there. So, um, so I ended up getting a bunch of certifications because Carl told me that I wasn't, you know, that I needed to. Qualified. Um, and, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And so, so now, now I have, I don't know, it's like, it's like 20, it's 20 I think you I have, have 22. I was going to say, you yeah. have an alphabet, like, you have an alphabet did, it, after it's, your name. So, but I just want, I mean, I, I also, one of my strengths is love of learning. Um, so like whatever, you know, my, my wife's like, well, you know, whatever, at least he's, uh, yeah. at least he's not doing what he was doing 15 years ago. So which she was with me, by the way, through all that, God bless her. She's, she's a veterinarian as well. She's amazing. She's a being, wonderful, she is. wonderful human being. <laughs> Carla. Um, so where were we? <laughs> You were you were heading you were heading towards what you're doing now um, and looking at other countries that are doing way more badass stuff than we are in the United States because you recognized um, as did as did I that while you as a especially as a person who is in recovery like Mm -hmm. that you're hyper focused on the me part right right? because you're working on yourself you're working on what can I control what can I do to make amends? Like, yeah, fix your own backyard right. first before you go which, fixing anybody else's, right. right? Which is as, you know, the phrase that we use in recovery stuff, <laughs> as you know, is, you know, what, what is my part? You know, what's right. my part in this situation? And right. so while that is vitally important for us, if, if in veterinary medicine, like if the organization has a part or if the team or the leader has a part, well, we do right. need to, address, like, you know, we, right. we do need to work on both. So right. they don't, you know, they don't, they don't exist yeah, in a vacuum. Right. Like you can't, you can't just solve your way out right. of and burnout then, or fatigue right. by looking on me. And then what happens is, as we know, is this, and this, this gets into what we were talking about is that if I am at a, as close to a hundred percent spiritual blit, you know, do I'm doing all the things right. If I'm in a two, you know, if I, if the environment I'm in, if I'm having to see 50, 60 patients a day, I'm short staffed and my boss doesn't care about me. Doesn't like it doesn't I, matter it doesn't how overcome, hard you are. It doesn't overcome yeah. those things. Yeah. So those things, so we need to we need to help those things. Now the flip side right. is is if I have a great leader and they're doing all these things and I'm like, oh, this is just you know, everything's crap and this is crap and right. this is like that's that part's on like I need to not I need taking coach, the ownership. Right. right. But yeah. usually it's again, it's not a black and white line there's there's parts parts of all of this it's done you make sure of all three and so intuitively it's like you know start looking at at what are these things in the workplace and so come to find out so there's um so when i when i did my um positive psychology certification i also did a certification in positive psychology consulting so actually taking positive (laughs) psychology into workplaces like how does this actually like these these concepts sound all good, but what's the evidence that this actually works in a workplace? Well, obviously, there's ton, There's a whole field of study. We know Adam Grant um, from University of Pennsylvania is one, you know, one person that we really hear a lot about. But this field of positive organizational scholarship, which means right. how does this stuff work in business? How does this stuff right. work in the workplace? And so that led to uh, finding out about the ISO 45003. And ISO is like the International OSHA. 
And 45003 are the psychological health and safety standards, international psychological health and safety standards. So things that need to be in place in workplaces. So the way that I like to describe it to veterinary professionals is we go in and take x-rays on a patient. What do we do, Steph? Do I go in, the, do I go in, in my scrubs? No. No, I don't. Because I know that that x-ray is dangerous. So I take precautions. I put on my lead. Put on his lead gown. Put on my thyroid shield. I put on my gloves. Yes, wear your gloves. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Put, put on your ghost country badge. Because I know that's a hazard. Right. Well, guess what? Is that those things? Those things. Psycholo- there, are, there are psychological hazards in our workplaces that we can take the same precautions of. Or sure. if we can't, if we can't remove them, at least we can mitigate them. You know, is that sure. we can do that. And that's one. And then the other aspect is, is that we have to actively promote flourishing and thriving. Like we have to do the positive things as well. And it's not just, an, it's not enough to, you know, like we're not coming in and just saying, oh, you know, everything's, every, you know, good vibes only. I'm not saying that. Like right. the, right. There, are, there are evidence-based ways of in, inducing positive emotion, you know, engagement, using our strengths, building positive relationships at work. All of those things are vital. And saying, for instance, conflict management, saying, you know, we know that, um, you know, if, if I, if I want to implement a change at work and I just go in and I say, okay, we're getting a new PIM system. Um, you know, we're, it's starting Monday. Um, I'm changing the prices on everything. And you guys are now all responsible for, uh, you know, we're also, we're also doing, you know, 12, 12 new, new, uh, initiatives around all these things. And we're going to do them all at once. And we're going to do them now. And that starts Monday. Cool. Everybody good. Bye. Like that's poor, you know, that's poor change management. And however, what, like we're not. I'm, ta- I'm, laughing. I'm laughing because I guarantee that there are people who are listening to this episode who are like, oh, my God, he just. Describes my hospital. Now, now. We, the the part of it that laughing. We, I'm laughing not I because I because I, I empathize with that because I have been there in that organization 100%. that has and change by, management by the skills. way everyone that's listening that's a, that like in recovery like somebody shares something like that would to the outside would seem horrible <laughs> and then the whole room laughs it's because we all know yeah. like we've all been there get it so yeah. same thing yeah yeah so but in all seriousness poor change management, and they found this out in Australia through McQuaid's research, is that poor change management was one of the highest psychosocial, so these things that we see are called psychosocial risks or psychosocial hazards. That was one of the biggest areas that caused psychological harm in workplaces was poor change management. So knowing when I do that, I'm going to instantly drop the level of, like if I just say, hey, we're switching PIMS, Right. And go in. If I don't know the level of stress or the things that are going to happen to my team and doing that and not throttle the schedule and not do this and not do, you know, not do things to mitigate that, knowing that I've just, I don't want to say throw a grenade, but I've, I've put, I put something into my team that is going to negatively affect their mental health because it takes time to learn. You know, it's like onboarding. Right. You know, we can't just throw somebody right. into a clinic and just expect them to know everything day one. Same thing with the PIMS. Like it's going to take us, you know, no matter what it is, no matter how great a system it is, it's going to take us, we're human beings, probably take us three months, right. you know, to get catch, right. catch our groove. If we haven't scheduled that in, we are, we're setting our teams up for psychological harm. We're setting them up for burnout. Right. 
you know, the other and thing. so there, yeah, are, there are places where there are actually places in the world shocking because as Americans, like um, having had the the privilege of, of living in um, multiple countries, like it's funny how I can see the um, the American viewpoint. Um, and this feels like very one of them because shocking to know that there are countries outside of the United States. We are not the center of the world. Um, and there are places in the rest of the world where, like you, you were telling us that there's the ISO standards. Like there are yeah. actually places that say, "Hey, not only can you not do this, and here's what the but they set the bar in terms of expectation for employers, just like OSHA would here yeah. um, with setting the safety standards. Like you know, you have to take care of your team and protect them safety wise. Yeah, there are standards that are applicable in other countries mm-hmm. that say hey when it comes to your team and their well-being and their mental health and their emotional you're responsible for that emotional safety and here's what the expectation is that is that and that's fascinating to me like fascinating to me because i'm like it makes perfect sense and also it makes me sad that we are once again so behind um other other countries But there's, um. <laughs> but, the, but there's more. There's cha- there's chapter two, which is exciting. So one, just knock knock on your roof. I know you're in Washington. Just knock on your roof and wave to our neighbors to the north. Um, Canadian neighbors, of, yeah. yeah. One of one of those uh, one of those certifications I have is I'm a certified psychological health and safety advisor, and I had to get that from Canada because because we don't have you can't get one it here. Yet. Yeah. Now, to shout out to the Surgeon General of the United States. Um, Surgeon General's office just put out uh, recommendations for for U.S. workplaces. So, um, you know, they're great. So they there's a, a five spoke um, area on that that's all centered around um, worker voice and equity. So that's the central yeah. central cog, mm-hmm. if you will, in the wheel. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's protection from harm. So mm-hmm. we want to mitigate mitigate these things connection to community, um, creating belonging, work-life harmony, you know, creating opportunities for us to knowing that leaving our Uh stuff at the door is BS, like that Uh doesn't work. Um, Mattering at work and then having opportunities to grow. And mattering means as a leader, as a team, like you let me know through reward and recognition. You know, like you let me know I'm doing a good job. You give me constructive feedback. You know, you do these things. And then opportunity, obviously opportunities to learn and grow and that sort of thing. So in general, the ISO 45003 standards encompass a lot of those things. So each now, each country, most countries or many countries have their own psychological health and safety standards. And again, the U.S. has come out with that and kind of cool things. It's not like super secret, but I'm on this awesome team. Um, Josh is on it. Mackenzie Peterson from um, um, used to be with AAVMC. You know, we're working with veterinary visionaries to help create psychological health and safety standards for, you know, for U.S. Uh, veterinary organizations. So, but what, you know, what is that? Again, it's the, it's how do we protect our brains? You know, how do we protect our brains and souls from the stuff that we see, you know, in, in veterinary medicine? Because there are things that are specific to veterinary medicine. But the interesting thing is, is that most of the things like conflict, management like we're not the only ones that have conflict management like uh, poor change poor change management we're not the only ones that you know and but yet right. these are the things that cause it and 
um, you know, and role clarity. That was, by the way, in the in Australia in in the study that um, McQuaid's group just put out. Low role, like not understanding, like not being very clear on what my job is and who do I go to for what and when this happens. When the low role clarity was was the the most encountered psychosocial risk that caused harm. You know, is that so? Um, that's amazing. Yeah, go ahead. It would shock no one. to think about veterinary medicine and think about how many of us have worked in jobs in veterinary medicine (laughs) where we have no idea what our actual role is. I don't have a description. And then then what happened? And then low psychological, you know, throwing out all these terms, low psychological safety, you know, doctor comes in or owner, why didn't you do whatever? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do it. then that yeah. person gets mad, then they're blaming you for something that you didn't even know that you were responsible for. And that is not, a, and everybody listening has been in, a, you know, a situation similar yeah. to that, where it's like, we're held response, almost held, re- like, why didn't you, why didn't you know? Like, I don't know, I'm like, how am I supposed to know that? Like, I can't intuitively know it. And so again, yeah. it becomes how important it is. And this, you know, this starts to even go into like onboarding, you know, the why it's so important right. to, to connect people to onboarding and what, you know, role clarity and what, where you go to for what, because when that sh- stuff hits the fan, you know, we want to know, we want to know what the plan is, you know, it's, and, it, right. and, you know, and that's, and also that increases efficiency, which efficiency yeah. is, it's not sexy, yeah. so to uh, speak, uh, but that is a huge right. area of importance for well being in the workplace, you know, is practice efficiency. Right. You know, as if I'm doing, yeah. well, doing and this it, thing. Yeah, I mean, it, that makes perfect sense because it's the third, uh, it, the inefficiency is the third wheel of the burnout. And so it makes total yeah. sense that those two, yep. that those two things are tied super closely together. Okay. Well, don't give away the, oh, this was, this was just the spring, <laughs> the sprinkles. This isn't even the cake. Um, okay, friend, I can talk to you all, all day yeah. long, but, um, oh and you will kill me if we do already- an hour, in a, you know, a five hour podcast. But I have a question for you before yeah. before we wrap up. So um, well, can I, one can of the... One, can I say just some of the yeah. things to try to look into to combat? And this won't give give stuff away. Oh, but yes, like, of if course. If we've got of these, because I don't want to go, oh, here's all the crap, um, you know, the things that are is going on, is making sure... So four things, and this, this, was, this was actually from uh, McQuay's research as well, is that okay. Carl... And we'll, Carl, we'll put we'll put links to we'll put links, yeah, we'll to, put links um, to the article what, the, the things that Phil's yeah, talking about yeah. the article and the, yeah. the research in the show notes. Yeah. So don't worry about that. So okay, so Carl, Carl, Carl's talking crap about me. There's a there's a concept that's called self compassion, and we've talked about it. Our friend Jamie um, at Uncharted, you know, really leans into this. I found coaching wise that is the tool that I lean into more than anything else with people is self compassion replacing self-criticism with self-compassion. Kristen Neff, N-E-F-F, we'll put the we'll put a link to her stuff in the in the notes as well. She's the founder of the concept of self-compassion. Great, great stuff. It's uh it really helps change our thinking. Okay. Setting what are we what are we crappy at setting for ourselves as veterinary ba- professionals? Boundaries. 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 What, yeah, we gotta we gotta learn how to do that. That's, that's another. So I'll just leave right. that. I'll leave. So you just that. gave us yeah. two. I was gonna say you just gave us two giant boulders because boulders. So self, lean into yeah. Self compassion is hard AF, yeah. and uh, get boundaries curious. Get are curious. real hard. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. So we got some. We got some mountains to climb. Keep going. Then 
rest and recover. Like we have to, we have to, uh, when people take vacation, like make that like reward and recognition, like honor people for taking vacation. Like, Hey, like make this a good thing. Not, Oh, I can't believe you're, you're leaving us in the lurch. You know, it's like, cause again, remember chronic, if we get beat up chronically, our bodies can't, they can't recover. Like we, we have to prioritize rest and recovery. We have to prioritize rest and recovery. We have to prioritize rest and recovery. Yeah. Rest and recovery. Rest and recovery. That recovery. is what we are doing right now because right now. we are we are recording this. You and I are not resting and recovering, but we are doing this because Andy is the resting and recovering is, and taking the fearless leader is taking a taking a break. And I will tell you that that I mean, some of you heard the podcast that I did with um, our dear friend, Eric Garcia, and my colleague and uh, amazing partner in crime, Tyler Grogan, oh uh, from our team last year Such great people, on, on unplugging. They are both amazing. Um, but we talked about unplugging and rest and recovery. And we are actually um, about to record a follow-up to that episode for everybody because we've been getting a lot of questions about how it's going now. And all of us took uh, some unplugged time off this summer. And we're going to talk about... We're talking about that, but I I love that because your your point is a really yeah. valid one because we that's another boulder for veterinary medicine because what do we do? What do you think about it in the burnout spiral? And mm-hmm. you think about Carl sitting on your shoulder and being the negative, uh, you know, self talker in your ear. We just tell ourselves, oh, just keep working, work harder, work harder, work harder, and you'll get you'll dig yourself out of this hole and we do not think about it in terms of rest and recovery and we just try and try and work harder as the answer and that is exactly what leads us to the place of burnout yeah. and the last okay prioritizing opportunities to experience positive emotion gratitude what 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 that's what the, that's the evidence like that's not, I'm not just making that up because the sunshine, you know, like that is literally right. prioritizing positive emotion is that, and as, as is said in Uncharted or what, you know, celebrate the wins, hold the trophy when the good, yeah. hunt the good stuff. That's, I love saying that is that right. be intentional right. because good stuff is like, is like Teflon and bad stuff is like Velcro is that we have to be very intentional about experiencing positive emotions in veterinary hospitals. And what, what does that mean is that as leaders, we, we need to do that. Is that we have to, we have to stop and celebrate the wins. We have to sit down and let the puppy kiss us in the face, you know, that we saved, the, like sit with those things. And so what's wonderful is I now, because we've been so intentional about it, I can remember those things in the workplace. Yes, Stephanie. That does not mean you sit down and let the puppy give you kisses in the face and then bring that puppy home. Just throwing oh, it out there, yeah. friends, because one, one puppy, maybe. <laughs> I can't. No, I, I'm no, not more, the per- no I'm more not puppies, the per- though. <laughs> the wrong. So I have to. Well, I have You're to, the problem. So this awesome, th- like super quick. So I got to go back and help um, a mentor, um, a new grad vet uh, that used to or works where I used to work. And they sent me a text message at like nine at night and were like, hey, you know, send me pictures of this fracture. And I was like, um, you want me to come up and give you a hand? And they're like, would you? And I'm like, yeah. So I came up, we're doing the, doing, doing the fracture repair and Dr. Ortiz does it. And I looked at it and it's, and he's just, he's just trying to help this kitten. It's a 10 week old kitten that got hit by a car. It's got a fractured femur. And so we fix it. And I look, I just, I look up at him and I said, you know, this is your cat, right? And he just, 
And uh, and he's like, I, did, I mean, he's like, I thought about. It. I was like, no, 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 no. I said, this, this is your, this is your cat. I said, that's the rule. I said, because that's what but I it's did. Not the rule. It is, it is a rule. It's your because. Well, let me hold on. Let me qualify that. Let me qualify that. Your first fracture repair on a kitten that got dumped and it like. That it can be your cat. It's that not is, a rule. It's that not a is rule. Not but it can be. It, it doesn't have to be a rule. But it happened to me, is what I was saying. So, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, that's what happened. I had a I had a kitty that got she got shot 18 times with a BB gun and had a fractured but, femur. And they brought her in when she was on the news and everything. And we fixed it. And she was like on national news. And our receptionist was like, she's like, you're just, you're gonna keep this kitten, aren't you? And I was like, I I mean, she's like, will you just please? Because she's like, I'm getting calls from all over the country to adopt this kid. Will you please just tell me that you're uh, taking the kitten? That you're keeping it. Yeah, and so I did. And her name was BB, and she was great. So that's fantastic. So did Dr. You know, Ortiz adopt the little kid? He did. The kitten is great. Shut up. Of course he did. <laughs> you were because such, he's a, because you he's such a, an enabler. <laughs> but I will say. I will say is that that's part like you don't have so you don't have to have 20 kittens, but you could have one if you're not allergic you could have one kitten that you saved you could everybody's got I, mean, I want to do I want to do a pot I want to do a whole podcast series on like the stories of the animals how they people got from from yeah oh yeah from, because it's amazing because you are you are the shining you're the shining representation of having no boundaries in veterinary medicine when it comes to animals that's and my saying, wife my and, wonderful wife that we just like you know how many animals are in this house that are directly respond that i'm directly responsible of <laughs> for none like zero now none none of them she now brought every now it's one of them home. Who has she no boundaries. every one of them home. She- every one of them <laughs> But wouldn't that make a fun podcast series? It would. I mean, we should. Yeah, we should. Would have to be a video podcast, and that we like. We, uh-huh. we probably Just should have, to a, have like a cameos. Yeah, we should have a Nat Geo show. Yeah. Like, I don't even know, with the because t- I told you we got finches now too. So we went. We had oh everyone. We had zero birds in January of 2022, and we have 17 birds now. <laughs> because Carla we, can't say because no. Carla because Car- I was at I was at. AVM at VLC with Tasha and we were speaking and I get a I get a message and she's like this happened and there's a giant cage in the back of her sister's huge pickup truck because she bought a macaw and we had no birds January 2022 we had no birds and now we have a macaw and now you you have and a conure and 13 well we have 11 finches and two canaries but it brings us joy oh my gosh I can't I know. But it brings you joy. Send, send help. Okay, and, so send help we are going <laughs> to... Please, anyone. <laughs> we are going to drop. Uh, we're, we've, we've done it now. We've gone completely. We Normally, we Andy and I go off the rails in the beginning of an episode, but we, you and I, I think mostly saved good. it until the end of it. Yeah. We did yeah. good. We did, we did good. good. We did good. Um, okay. So if people want to find, we're yes. going to drop in the show notes links to uh, some of the resources and uh, research that you were talking about. But if yeah. people want to uh, find you, they can find you at Uncharted in October, as they I already can. said. But besides that, where can people find you on social media? Yeah. So I am at Flourishing Phoenix Vet 
um, on Facebook and Instagram and www.flourishingphoenix.com. And then on LinkedIn, it's preferred pretty positive. Like I like, I like LinkedIn. So um, LinkedIn, uh, I think it's Dr. Phil Richmond is my, my handle. I love it. I love it so much. Thanks for uh, thanks for having this conversation yeah, with me today, you. friends. This is, this has been fun. Thank you all for listening. I will <laughs> see how many people got to the end. Got to the end of this one because uh, we, as always, we we did some scrolling, but we stayed high five, friends, because we stayed uh, decently for two for two people that have as much in common as we do, mm-hmm. <laughs> and whose brains work very similarly. Yeah, uh, I feel like good. we did. We did, did justice to stay a little bit on target with this one. Pat on, we're, we're knocking Carl. I'm flicking him off my shoulder. We're, we're patting ourselves on the, the back way, with, uh, with not this one. Ca- So I worked with an amazing human being named Carl Ashman. Carl, if you happen to like, it is not you <laughs> at all. This was long before I knew you. So I just want you to know it is 100% disclaimer. not you. Yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> Carl is not that Carl at all. Carl is a wonderful human being. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh thanks so much for joining me today phil and thank you all for listening and uh have a fantastic rest of the week everybody we'll see you next time bye thank you and that's a wrap on another episode of the uncharted podcast thanks for joining us and spending your week with us if you enjoyed this week's episode head over to wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review it's the best way to let us know that you love listening we'll see you next time